Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose uh, to hang out with us today. Uh, last week was my birthday, and I actually turned the big 5-0, okay, 50. And uh, you might not, some of you are shocked, I know, that I'm 50, because when you look at this young face and you look at this buff body, you think to yourself, there's no way he could be 50. But I assure you, I am 50. And uh, my family, though, was really kind. We didn't get any black balloons. Uh, no one called me a half century old. Uh, you know, none of that kind of stuff. And they actually gave me an amazing uh, birthday gift, maybe the best gift uh, I've ever received. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, and my two daughters got me this jar and inside the jar, there were 50 pieces of paper from each one of them of things that they love about me. And so there were 150 of all of all these things that they love about me or that described me. Now, I'm going to give you just a few of these because I thought you would enjoy them. Here's the first one. You love dancing with me. Uh, that is from my youngest daughter, Shiloh. Uh, here's the next one. You didn't tell mom when I dropped a giant snow cone in her car. Shh. Uh, that's from my oldest uh, daughter, Jordan. Here's the next one. I love that you cry at movies. Uh, that's from my wife. I do cry at movies regularly. And so uh, that, you know, I just lost my man card on that one. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, you let me eat Pringles. Sorry, not sorry. And then here's the next one. Uh, I love that you pose in front of the mirror. And that's from my wife. Uh, she thinks I'm a stud. And she really can't keep her hands off of me, honestly. It's kind of embarrassing. But uh, that's the truth. And then here's one last one from my oldest daughter, Jordan. You are smart. Now, what I want you to notice is up in the upper left-hand corner, what number do you see right there? What's the number? 44. 44. So, uh, after she did this, I just asked her, I said, well, Jordan, uh, I noticed you put number 44 up in the right-hand corner. If you were doing this kind of gift for your mom, uh, what number would you give to her? And immediately she said, oh, yeah, number one or number two. I really love my daughter Shiloh so much more. Um, but but that was it. And this is what I found, though, is that um, they gave me this amazing gift of love. Uh, and it's something that I'm sure... I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Now, we're in a series where we're talking about all you need is love. And specifically, we're looking at the uh, love chapter of the Bible, which is found in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul, uh, a guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, wrote this, maybe the greatest words on love. And starting in verse 1, this is what he wrote. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I could have all knowledge and faith to move mountains and give everything away, but if I have not love, I am nothing. 
And so to those verses, what we did is we said there's a kind of a life equation of how you can go through life. And we said this, we said everything minus love equals nothing. That if you had everything in the world, but if you don't have love at the end of the day, you have nothing. Dallas Willard, who is uh, maybe uh, the greatest Christian theologian and philosopher uh, of the past 50 years, was one time asked this question, if you had to describe Jesus in one word, how would you describe him? And again, you need to understand, uh, this guy has written, you know, hundreds of books and he's brilliant. Uh, he recently passed away, but he gave a huge impact to the Christian faith. And when they ask him this question, what is the one word you would use to describe Jesus? This is the word he said, relaxed. And I was thinking to myself, relaxed? Like that's all you got? You got all this knowledge, brain power, and you came down with relaxed? Because to me, it doesn't sound very dignified. It doesn't sound very religious to say that the Son of God is just relaxed. I mean... I think I would have used other words like, you know, king or lord or love or leader, but relaxed? Really, that's all you have? And I, I think that was exactly his point. He wanted to say Jesus was more than anything else. But the thing that he was maybe most of all is he walked through his life with a sense of love because he was always relaxed. I mean, if you think about it, he arrived on this planet without a care in the world. God could have sent his son anyway, but he chose to send him as a little baby who was relaxed and everyone was taking care of him. And then at the age of 12, he's in a temple and he says this, I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to change the world. And yet he went on to just be a carpenter and he didn't do too much. He just kind of was in this obscure little carpentry shop in Nazareth year after year. And he finally turns 18 and then he turns 20 and then he turns 22 and 23 and 29. And it's kind of like, uh, hey, Jesus, all these people are saying uh, the clock is ticking like time is going. And Jesus is like, hey, no problem, dude. It'll happen when it happens. When the Father tells me, we'll, we'll do this thing. But it's all good. It's all good. And then John the Baptist, his cousin, has like this great big party for him. And all these people get baptized. And he, said, this, he says, this is the one I'm baptizing to you right now. This is the one. And all the crowds are waiting to listen for him. And they're ready to listen and they're ready to hear the power that would come from him. And you know what Jesus does? He escapes from the crowd and he goes off for 40 days and 40 nights on a retreat. He just went to the desert to be alone with God. And he had some very unhurried prayer. Another time, uh, Jesus was with his disciples and they're on this boat. And most of the disciples were fishermen, so they'd been on boats before. And the storm comes up, and it starts messing up the boat, and they get scared for their life. They think they're going to die, and they're looking around the boat trying to find Jesus. They can't find Him, and they finally find Him at the bottom of the boat. And guess what He's doing? 
He's taking a nap. A napping Messiah? Really? I uh, saw a great t-shirt. It's my favorite t-shirt right now. But uh, it says this. uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. Don't you love that? Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. So the next time that your significant other tells you, we got stuff to do, and why are you taking a nap? Saying, just trying to be like Jesus. Just trying to be like Jesus. Now again, maybe nowhere was Jesus kind of chilled out more than with those guys who were closest to him, his disciples. And what you need to understand is that the disciples were kind of this slow group. They were slow to understand what Jesus taught. They were slow to understand kind of who he was. They were slow to obey. They were slow to trust. They were slow to serve. They misunderstood him all the time. They denied him. They abandoned him eventually. They doubted him on a regular basis. And yet Jesus never said to them, I'm going to trade you in for a better group of people. I'm going to swap you out. He never said, you don't understand because you don't believe I'm going to trade you in. He just said, I'm going to teach you about love. In fact, that's what his whole ministry was about. That's why he's trying to teach you and I even today all about love. And he taught it in a way that was very relaxed because if you think about it, when you show your greatest love to people, you're usually pretty relaxed because you're thinking more about them than you are yourself. And Paul kind of picks up on this whole concept that Jesus had, you know, given a dissertation on. And he kind of gives the, a couple of very positive characteristics about love. This is your first fill-in either in your program or uh, on the JAR app. And it's this. He says, love is patient. He said that if you're really going to love, love is Patient. So I guess when we're told maybe the best word that describes Jesus is relaxed, maybe it's not such a bad idea. You know, sometimes that word patience is uh, one in which we come to thinking that it is a teeth-gritted endurance. When we hear patience, we're like, oh, God, help me be with this person that I'm about ready to explode on right now. No one would be as patient as I am. Help me, God, not to kill them. And the reality is, though, Jesus never kind of had teeth grit. He's pretty relaxed. He walked through his day chilled out. He was never stressed. He was never overwhelmed. Jesus chose love in the midst of all of that. And it was very well known by his disciples and everyone else. I mean, the disciples never went like this or not. They never kind of woke up, you know, after they'd been hanging out all night and go, watch out. Jesus kind of is uptight. I don't know if he slept on the wrong side of the bed or what, but he's mad. He's kind of irritable. Give him a little space because we're not so sure. Rather, 
Jesus was the most relaxed person who ever walked planet Earth. Not necessarily because the circumstances of his life were easy or pleasant, because if you lived in the first century, folks, it was hard life. Most children died. Most people did not live very long. It was a hard, hard life. Most people walked around in dirt, had no sandals. There's no electricity, no cell phones. We don't even say cell phones anymore, do we? We say phones. We don't have time for a wall and a phone. I need my phone beside me. Jesus didn't have that. But the thing that he did have was he had love, and he knew that love is patient. Now, most of us who are here today did not have what Jesus had, and that is a love that is patience. Patience is kind of like an Achilles heel to each one of us. It's something that we battle with constantly. There was a survey recently of thousands and uh, thousands of Christians, and uh, they gave to these Christians, they said, hey, we're going to give you uh, the fruits of the Spirit. And just in case you weren't sure what those were, I'll go through them real quick. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they asked them, what is the hardest one for you to produce fruit in? And over 50%, over half of the people said, What do you think? Patience. More people said that than anything else. It was their struggle with patience. You know, in my opinion, though, it was much harder for us today. It's much harder for us today to be patient than it was in Jesus' day. You see, I shared some of the things that weren't in Jesus' day, but the biggest thing was electricity. There was no electricity. So... You went to bed when it was dark. So, 7 o'clock, it gets dark, you just go to bed, and you sleep 11 hours. How many of you sleep 11 hours? You're like, uh, the last two nights? Is that what you're asking? Did I sleep that long? The nature of our world is so fast-paced that none of us ever even think about 11 hours of sleep. In fact, the Gallup poll said that the average American sleeps 6.8 hours. And that's usually with some kind of sleeping aid that's taken. But like I said, everything in our world is fast. And how can we make it faster? Now, in the beginning of time, there was food... But the thing is, as our culture has decided, our generation, just having food is not enough. We need food that is fast. We need fast food. And eventually it wasn't just, oh, fast food. And we didn't pick fast food because it was good. We didn't even necessarily pick fast food because it was more healthy for us. We just picked fast food because it was fast. And then we added this thing called the drive through window. Because this is the way God intended families to eat. In vans with all of the food, right? Like, that's the way we're supposed to do this thing. And then we said, well, fast food's not enough. We need 
fast dating. So we created this thing called speed dating. And there's self-checkout and overnight shipping and instant messaging. And then you start texting real fast. But honestly, we're, we're, we're so concerned about being fast that we don't use full words anymore. Because darn it, it takes too long to do all of that. And so we do abbreviations like... ASAP, or we type in things like this, LOL, or LMK, or TTYL, or my favorite recently that my girls say all the time, YOLO, Dad. I said, did you say yo-yo? I don't know. And she said, no, you only live once, Dad. Let's go do this thing. I just want it to be fast because I'm so exhausted having to use my thumbs that I just kind of abbreviate everything. And yet love is patient. But there's something that's opposite to patience, right? What is it? The opposite of patience is what? Impatience, right? Now, on the surface, uh, impatience looks like an absurd, trivial kind of fact. But you, did you realize impatience can kill you? It can kill your prayer time. It can kill the relationship with your kids and it can mess it all up. It can actually, maybe not kill, but slowly destroy your own life because you go through it and you're just always impatient. Impatience says, I don't want to finish this assignment. I don't want to stick with this diet. I don't want to stay in this marriage. I don't want to honor my commitment. I don't want to stay on budget. I don't want to obey God with my sexual behavior. I want to do what I want when I want to do it. And yet, Paul says, well, love, though, love is patience. Folks, God wants every single person in this auditorium and every single person on the stream to grow in patience. God wants to grow you, the person sitting in your seat, in patience. But this is the thing. When we say it, when we hear that, we need to grow in patience. We go, well, God, how quickly do you want to do that? Like, how quickly can we do this thing? Is there seven steps to patience? Well, actually, it's probably going to take a while. And if God wants to grow patience in you, how do you think he'll do it? Well, he's probably going to give you something to be patient about. I was doing some research this week on pearls. An oyster creates a pearl. It takes 20 years for an oyster to create a pearl, and a, an oyster only lasts 40 years. So their entire life, they create two pearls, if they're lucky. And there are two things that are needed in creating a pearl. You need an irritant, and you need time. So, if God's going to produce patience in you and me, this is what He's going to do. He's going to give you an irritant... And he's going to give you the time. So what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to look at the person beside you, okay? Because that might be your irritants. Go ahead. Look at them. All of you on the stream, uh, person in the room. That could be your irritant. 
And it's going to take some time. Now, for some of you, you might say, well, I don't have an irritant. Well, just call the church office because we have a long list of irritants. And we will gladly give you a name or two, however many that you need. Folks, love is patient and you can grow in patience. And I'm going to give you some practical ways to do that here in just a moment. But first of all, remember, the first positive characteristic of love is love is patient. The second thing that Paul says is that love is kind. Patience is kind of the passive um, side of love, and kindness is the action side of love. Now, one of my favorite examples of love is patient and love love is kind is a guy by the name of David uh, in the Bible. His story is in the Old Testament. You can read it any time. And uh, his story is pretty cool because he was just a shepherd boy. He's hanging out when all of a sudden God decides that he's going to make him a king one day. And so he brings uh, a prophet to him and says, you're going to be king. The only problem was there was already a king on the throne, a guy by the name of Saul. And most of the time, kings do not want to give up their thrones. And Saul was no different. And Saul began to despise David, And then he began to kind of hate David. And then he got angry. And then he wanted to hunt him down and actually kill him. And so most of David's life as a young man was running away from this crazy king. And even though he could have killed him several times, he chose not to because he understood that love is patient. And But eventually King Saul dies and so does his son Jonathan who was next in line. And at this point, we think to ourselves, well, David is going to actually take the throne. You see, David's irritant was Saul. And he learned patience, but he didn't just stop with patience. He actually moved to kindness as well, as one day David said these words. He said, is there anyone else in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? In other words, is there anyone else that is connected to the king? Because I know the king's dead and his son's dead. But is there anyone else that I can show kindness to? And there actually was. It was a guy by the name of Mephibosheth. Let's all say that out loud together, okay? On three. I'll say it, and then you repeat after me. Mephibosheth. All right, some of you cussed on a couple of those. I don't know. Mephibosheth. And he was this young, frightened, little guy. And David reached out to him, and he took care of him, and he protected him, and he loved him, and he cared for him for the rest of his life, even though he recognized that Mephibosheth was actually a rival to his kingdom. You see, folks, love is patient and love is kind. And the big question that loving people are constantly asking is this. Is there anyone that I could show kindness to? And that's the question I get to you today. Is there anyone that you could show kindness to? Who could you Choose to show kindness to. 
Now, this is what I not want, know. Most of you will say, well, I'm a kind person. I'll show kindness to somebody. But will you do it this week? So what we decided to do is with the 4th of July coming, we actually want to give you a next specific step. So uh, we put together these little popcorn buckets. And when you leave today, every single, view, single one of you will get one of these popcorn buckets. And when you get them, don't go home and just make it for yourself. Kindness is to give this away. Okay? So you see the step? You get it, and then you give it what? Away. Now, who do you give it away to? You give it away to anyone who has been disconnected from Christ or the church, especially during the pandemic, because we know many people have. And people are looking for kindness, and you can do this. You give it to a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend, someone who you can show kindness to, to let them know in a practical way God loves them, and you're showing that kindness to them. And you can do this. And we have a little card attached that if they want to learn about how God loves them, they could come and connect with us. So you've got your question on kindness. You've got this free gift of a popcorn kind of bucket to receive. And for the rest of our time, because I think many of us struggle with patience, I want to give you some practical ways that you can go about growing in patience. The first way is this concept called slowing. And in this practice, I deliberately put myself in positions where I will wait or I will move more slowly than I otherwise would. If you do that, then you grow in patience. So this week, when it comes to driving the speed limit, you will do it joyfully. And so if the speed limit is 35 miles an hour, you're going to go... Some of you seem confused by that. Uh, again, if the speed limit is 35 miles an hour, how fast are you going to go? 35, maybe even slower. And as you go through that, you'll smile and you'll enjoy the time of being with God in a non-kind of hurried way. A couple of weeks ago, we went to uh, Tennessee on vacation, and we were on I-75 going south. And as we were going south, there was an accident, and there were like just miles of cars, bumper to bumper all the way. And as I'm driving, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, thank God we are not over there because I do not have time for an accident. What? I'm on vacation. I have literally nowhere to go. And... I'm upset because, or I'm, I'm most grateful that I'm not in that accident. My first thought, folks, was not this. God, be with the people that are in the accident right now. Care for them. Help them if they're injured. God, thank you so much for keeping my family safe. God, be with all of these cars. I'm sure they're getting kind of frustrated, so be with them. No, the first thing out of my mouth was, God, thank you so much. I'm not in that accident because I don't have time for something like that. Folks, 
I'm messed up. Like, I'm messed up. Some of you are like, yeah, we already knew that. But, but this is the thing, folks. I want to get better. I really do want to get better. So this week, think of ways that you can slow down. One of those ways is by going the speed limit. Another thing is if you drive a lot, get in the right-hand lane. And don't try to pass. Just kind of stay there. When you come to a stoplight or a stop sign, guess what? Stop! Just don't roll through it. You do this, and I'm telling you, you will grow in patience. Here's another thing. Uh, Noticing people. Noticing people. Love is patient because only patient people notice other people. You ever realize that? Only patient people notice other people. You can't love people if you really don't ever notice them. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, concluding our teaching, and you might remember this. I got to the end. I was getting ready to pray, and I said, hey, um, now that we are not so, we don't have to be social distanced, if when I'm praying, if you see someone who's sitting by themselves or you see someone that's alone, don't go jump on them or anything like that, but, but if you see them, you feel a prompting to go over and just put your hand on their shoulder and and just go ahead and, and pray for them, or pray as I'm praying for them. And there was a young couple that was sitting right here uh, this past year. They got married. They got baptized. They're really trying to grow in their faith in God. And they were sitting there, and they noticed a guy that was sitting over in this section by himself. And they just got up, and they walked over, and they said, Hey, uh, you know, could we just put our hand on your shoulder? And he's like, Absolutely. And as I was praying... There was such a beautiful kind of moment to, to just witness over here. Now, what this couple didn't know is that that guy serves on our teardown team, and he was engaged. The engagement had broke off. He's been battling with some loneliness in his own life. And when a teardown came and I was talking to him, he said, Chris, this young couple came over and they, they just put their hand on my shoulder, and it was just so powerful. And their love blew me away because they noticed me. That was his words. They actually noticed me. And that love blew me away. Folks, what if when every single person walks into the life of the jar and they visit here, any week, any time, any time they're here, if they were asked after they left, hey, what is the jar like? They'd they'd say this, the jar notices people. There's not a single person that ever walks in that is not noticed. They are always welcomed, they're accepted, and they notice people. And they actually slow down, and they're not in a hurry because they notice others. So before you leave today, you can be kind to someone as you walk away, and you'll get a little popcorn to be kind to someone who's disconnected from Christ or the church, and you can ask God, God, how can I show patience and kindness to others? And this is what I'm learning more and more, folks. That relaxed people look, hurried people overlook. Relaxed people actually look and see when someone's sad, when they're struggling, when they're hurting, when they're celebrating 
hurried people, they overlook. They look beyond where the person's at. Noticing. It's really important. Here's the kind of final practice uh, before we wrap up, and that is forgiving. Forgiving. Uh, I have no doubt that this week many of you will have an opportunity to practice forgiving. Uh, believe me, this week there will be these little relational repairs that take place because you say something, something stupid, you do something stupid. We all have a tendency to do that. Paul wrote these words about forgiving. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, remember, at the beginning of our teaching, I talked about the fact that I had this 50th kind of birthday and my family got me this great uh, gift of this jar with these different, uh, you know, pieces of paper of what they loved about me. But at the end of the night, um, we were getting ready to go to bed and, and my wife, Jennifer, starts stewing about the fact that maybe the birthday wasn't that great. And so she said, you know, some of our friends have had these great big parties and they rent out places and we just kind of did something real small. And I just want to know before we go to bed, um, did you have a good birthday? And I hate to say it, folks, but this is what I said. It was fine. Uh, not good. Heated conversations began. Around one word, fine. Because fine is not, does not necessarily mean fine. But you see, I had had two funerals and a wedding and had taught in five days and I was exhausted. And I was just glad there was nobody around and it was awesome to be with them. But I did not say that. And so eventually we kind of had this discussion and I said, babe, 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 babe. I didn't mean fine as in, ah, it kind of sucked really. When I said fine, I meant like it was fine because that's exactly what I wanted. I did not want a lot of hoopla. I just wanted us to hang out and do that together. And at the end, I said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry about this. Will you forgive me? I didn't mean to say it like that. And she said, yeah, I forgive you. Because my wife loves me. And love is patient. Love is kind. And I don't know why. Sometimes I think she, she should go to the husband store and exchange me. But she doesn't do that because love is patient. Love is kind. You know what the opposite of that is? Short-tempered. Hot-tempered. I lose my temper. But in every moment, folks, God calls you and I to show that love is patient, love is kind. And this is what I found out. I know you're wrapping up, but listen to this. This is what I found out. That when I surrender my life to God and I receive his love that is patient and kind because he he's so patient with me. I'm so messed up. He's so kind to me. I'm not always real kind to him. But when I receive his love and his patience and kindness, that love is patient, love is kind. When I receive that, it's so much easier than for me to give it away to others, to be patient and to be kind to them. 
And you'll have opportunities guaranteed to do that this week. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for being patient and kind to us. Just as your son was relaxed, you walked through your days, Heavenly Father, and you're relaxed. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. And thank you for always giving us second and third and fourth and millionth chances because you're so patient and kind to us. And God, would you help us to remember to go through our days this week and say, is there anyone I could show kindness to? And then to go out and do that. So that we could be a church and we could be a people who really practices love is patient, love is kind. Now, well, maybe thanks there for joining are some us on our live stream today. If you've today prayed that and prayer. you've never received God's love before, you've never known about a love that is patient and kind. And the reality is, God wants to give that to you today. And some of you might think to yourself, well, there has been a void in my life. It feels like there's something that's missing. And what it is, more than likely, is the love of God because the love of God fills you so that you feel His patience, His kindness, and He wants to give that to you. And He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross so that you could receive that kind of love, free from all of your sins, your mess-ups, your mistakes. And maybe today is the day where you'd say, I need that in my life. I need His love. I need His grace. I need His forgiveness. I need second chances. And if that's you, then I'm going to invite you into a prayer. But it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we all pray together in unity because we're all learning how to receive the love of the one who knows us best and loves us most. So I invite you right now just to pause and to bow your head and to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I receive your love. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.